Hello, Kristen here. Before we get into this episode, I wanted to tell you that the antidote is a thing that's happening. It's a series of monthly gatherings that will help you return to your body and your being over and over again in the face of, you know, 2024, election insanity, climate change, global wars, your own personal stuff, other stuff. It's crazy out there. And it's easy to abandon yourself and freak out. The antidote is for bringing you home to yourself so that you can be safe in your being even when the world outside of you feels objectively unsafe. And because everybody's marketing at you and there's no reason for you to believe me, you can head to jointheantidote.com to grab a free recording of the first session that happened this week so you can feel it instead of thinking about it to see if it's a good match for you. That is jointheantidote.com. Scroll all the way down and you will see a place to pop your email address in and grab the recording. Hello and welcome to this episode of That's What She Said. This is my second attempt and I'm so fucking nervous because this is the let's get personal, personal episode. This is uh, your questions and my answers about where the fuck did I come from and what the fuck do I know and uh, what is it that I do on a daily basis and all of that all spelled out. And if you want to skip it because it's purely all about me and where I came from, awesome. I will continue to throw down on amazing lessons uh, after Christmas week. But if you're like, dude, where the fuck did you come from and what is your story? I really don't know. Then this is your answer. Um, Before I forget, Merry Christmas and uh, happy belated uh, Hanukkah. And if you were in the Church of Old Navy, then Merry Christmas Hanukkah. And all of the things. I wish you all the very best holidays and Happy New Year because that at least is a moderately universal Happy New Year, even though there's going to be a podcast between now and then. Holy shit, two things to tell you before I start. One, uh, if you want to come to me and uh, do some Paris goodness, so some business in the front, adventure in the back, if you're like, yes, I would like to see the Eiffel Tower on the same day that I figure out business clarity magic and we make a marketing calendar and we figure out how to get me more clients, but also there are beignets and pain au chocolat and croissant, that is what you want. You want to come to Paris with me for mullet, which is at brandcampblog.com slash mullet. If you identify as a writer, but you have an actual uh, a legit hard time writing, finding the time to write, the space to write, finding any sort of consistency in the rhythm of writing, or you would like to create consistency in writing, regardless of whether you previously identified as a writer or not, if it feels like there are stories that need to come out, write the fuck now, please, thank you, head to brandcampblog.com deep, and we will do Calling to the Deep. That starts on January 4th, and I mean starts, like not registration closes, like we begin, so now is the fucking time brandcamblog.com slash deep. And now today, questions. I'm going to try and keep this short and tell you things, but I tried this before and it takes a while, so it possibly might go over 15 minutes. Okay. Question. I wonder what brought you to photography and then to coaching photographers and then to coaching a broader audience. This answer is the longest answer. So here we go. One, I... Uh, well, didn't, I'm not trained as a photographer. I wanted to be a teacher from the time that I was three or four. Some of my earliest memories are teaching my stuffed animals things, all the things that I knew at three or four. I needed to impart them to others immediately. <laughs> I 
was so fucking wise at three, obviously. And uh, so my first memories are of wanting to be a teacher. And that never wavered except for a brief phase where I wanted to be an archaeologist. Then I found out that being an archaeologist was actually not like Jurassic Park or like Indiana Jones. And I was like, oh, fuck that. Never mind. So I went back to wanting to be a teacher. Um, interestingly, I always wanted to teach my peers. When I was in second grade, I wanted to teach second grade. In third grade, I wanted to teach third grade. In college, I wanted to teach college. Like, it never stopped. So I've always been interested in being at the very edge of, this is what I know, I want to teach it to someone else. Teaching kindergarten to me is like, oh, come on, dudes, you guys can get this. I get really impatient, and so I realize that I have to be teaching at a, at a peer level, or I am not as effective. And I worked at a facility for socio-emotionally disturbed students, which simply means that uh, therapy and other practices similar to therapy uh, were just as important to the curriculum of the school as teaching itself was in the traditional sense of what you think of with books and papers and numbers and rules and classes and rhythms like that, um, that at this facility, therapy was on the agenda. I was on a team with therapists and uh, students were dealing with uh, really, really big issues such as uh, being in foster care, being addicted to drugs, um, having really abusive parents, um, sexual abuse, all the abuses you could possibly imagine. They were always um, just regularly checked all the time upon entry, uh, physically checked for things like guns, knives, razor blades, all of those things. Uh, and that was a real threat. Uh, in the back of the room, I had uh, Mr. Farid, who was a very, very large man who was simply there. Like, if shit gets out of control, uh, I was taught to how to restrain students. He was taught how to restrain students, and we would have to make it work. Like, desks were regularly flipped. Things were regularly thrown. Um, that was the kind of environment it was, because that is what we, we were dealing with really big, big stuff. Not just like, hey, guys, we have to pass some standardized tests. Big, big stuff. And I realized that I was burning out really quickly, like it was a year and a half, and I was like, this is not, this is not a career for me. I don't have the bandwidth for this. So I gave myself two weeks to find any other job on the planet, and that's when I got hired by Hanani at a photography studio. And I, because I'm a teacher, it wasn't very long before I started writing uh, Brand Camp to be like, hey, everything that I'm learning, I'm applying it, and it helps me to apply it better if I teach it to someone else, which is why it followed that from almost the moment I started doing photography, I was also taking in massive amounts of information and then um, teaching photographers in some capacity. I didn't have anything for sale on Brandcamp for over a year. It was simply, this is a blog, I write stuff, I'm being helpful. And I took on some ghostwriting projects to supplement my photography income with essential imagery, which was my studio. Um, not because it was a, it wasn't a logical move. It was just like, oh, you need help. And I'll, yeah, sure. I'll help you write a book. That's what I do. I have a degree in English and education. So I was writing books and then it became obvious that like, hey, you're a good writer. You're a good teacher. Why aren't you coaching, uh, photographers? And I was like, I don't know, because it's so fucking easy. You just do this and 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 this, especially with regards to sales. Cause I had done that so much at the studio where I worked with Hanani. And so people were all, well, no, it's really not that easy. <laughs> so uh, I created uh, the Projection and Sales Merit Badge, and then I took that away and made it bigger and more complex, but also much more comprehensive 
and that was Sales Without Shame, uh, which is still available and which will teach you how to sell your portraits in person uh, with less than $20 worth of supplies, really simple, really basic, and that's at saleswithoutshame.com. And I learned a lot about marketing. I learned a lot about list building. I learned a lot about coaching in general. And I was like, shit, I don't know how this happened because it was never my intention. But I'm definitely um, teaching a lot of people all at once. Even the podcast wasn't something that I was like, this totally has to happen. This is important. This is a strategic move based on my blah, 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 blah. It was like, no, it's time. It's time to... Um, time to do this and so when it became time to coach photographers it was time and then when it became time to be like actually I want to encompass photographers and um, kind of all creatives that are having this struggle between um, I want to have a business and I want to have this beautiful creation that I've created get into the world and there is a tension between what I do for money and what I do for my soul and kind of bringing them closer and closer together that's what I do. And then I found that I am particularly like hashtag blessed, <laughs> uh, particularly gifted at helping people listen to themselves. So if you sit down in front of me and you're given 15 minutes and I say, okay, what's up? What's your biggest problem that you're dealing with? I can typically help you come to some kernel of truth that you haven't seen before in less than 15 minutes and without being in too much pain or resentment or horror or terror, uh, we can typically come to a loving and truthful conclusion about the next step that you need to make in your life within about 15 minutes. That's something that not everyone can do and that's something that I revel in doing and that's my uh, dominatrixing work now is that we consistently do that over the course of a couple of months and you come out different and changed. So my job, my career, the whole fucking thing is just consistently saying the hard things, the tough things, the honest things, without being like, oh, here's the truth, motherfucker. Here's what you need to know. No, there's no harshness about it. It's simply, this is what I'm, this is what I'm hearing is this true? And this is what I'm hearing is this true? And this is what I'm hearing is this true? Okay, so based on that, the way I see it, you have a few options. Which one feels the best? Consistently leading people to their own conclusions without my fucking input um, to be kind of the guide that's like that helps you see that's important. That's not that's important. That's not you want that to be important, but it isn't That's my gift and that is not limited to simply photographers though. It is much easier to sell very um, Straightforward step one step two step three step four step five, but you have more money my consistent call across the last year has been we're going further than that um, which is challenging and interesting and I don't know where exactly we're going my whole career is about the fine art of paying attention it's saying okay that's that's working and that's cool and suddenly I will lo completely lose interest and t just take a tick in a different direction because and so I just follow the ticks and I'm scared every step of the way to be clear um, that there isn't any, like I wish, sometimes I wish that I could just settle on something and be like, Hey, this is my flagship product. This is what I'm going to sell for the next 30 years. Every year I'm going to do, and that's just not, I would be so fucking bored so fucking quickly that it would all implode. And so what I hope to do over the course of the next year is take the work that I've already done, put it into book form that's available to read. So I can be like, okay, this, it's been covered by this book. This, it's been covered by this book. This, it's been covered by this book. And then keep on trucking in the direction of wherever it is that I'm going.
Oh, also, I should tell you that as much as I am good at uh, editorial calendars and marketing calendars and all of that stuff, that I can stick to a marketing calendar like nobody's business, that that's really awesome for me, uh, that it really helps me plan out my year and get shit done. But an editorial calendar, like you will say this on this day and this on this day and this on this day and this on this day. I have never been able to stick to an editorial calendar ever over the course of six years even when I'm blogging consistently on Tuesdays and Thursdays for every one of those years. So I am committed to the act of writing on this day and that day, but I am completely and totally not committed to knowing exactly what I'm going to say six to, six to 12 months in advance. To me, that's just absurd bullshit that's not possible. Because when I sit down, I'm typically dealing with, okay, what is it that I want to say about what I've learned or what I'm dealing with in the past week or two? And there's no way to know that a year in advance. So that's my experience of an editorial calendar. So if you've ever been like, holy shit, I can't make an editorial calendar to save my goddamn life. Awesome. I can't either. I mean, I can make them. I've made them. I make them every six months consistently <laughs> and then I don't use them. So at some point I'll just stop making them, but I haven't given up that habit yet. Um, the next question was, so much of your work is making yourself vulnerable, but how do you draw a line between public and private? And the answer is that I just listen to the parts of myself that are like, okay, that's not cool. That's not cool to share yet, or that's not cool to share at all. Um, I've also heard Brene Brown describe it as um, that if it's unresolved in some way, it's really not okay to talk about. Like if it's still an open issue, it's still really deeply painful. It's still really controversial. You haven't reached a conclusion that it's probably best to keep it under wraps. So for me, though, it's writing about um, the tender mercy of house calls, which is about uh, the experience of having uh, my cat uh, depart this world a few weeks ago. To me, that was um, it was really important for me to acknowledge that that was deeply painful and yet to acknowledge that on the other side of the painful, um, there was this wonderful experience of being held and supported by friends that I've had for over a decade. Um, and so the that in the deep, dark ache, there's also this magnificent beauty that I'm completely unaware of most of the time, the extent to which the people around me love me. And so that to me was really beautiful to share versus something that doesn't feel like it's finished yet. So in a couple of places in the last couple of weeks, I've just alluded to personal issues. Um, those things are personal and I won't share them until there has been some form of resolution, which might be weeks, might be months, might be years. And the things that people typically find like, oh, that's so scary to share. I've just been in the habit of sharing for so long that it isn't as scary to me. And I understand that when people say that I'm brave, they're not saying like, oh, you're ready to jump off a cliff or dive into battle. It's, uh, I believe Brene Brown says, vulnerability is our most accurate measurement of courage. And so, yes, I am willing to be vulnerable consistently over the course of a bunch of years. And my work is to get more vulnerable as time goes on in the hopes that my vulnerability can encourage someone to be even 1% more vulnerable in their home, in their family, in their career, in their life, in their way of being in the world. However, um, I am who I am. I totally dare everyone else to be who they are and then to see what happens. But I don't give off, get off on drama at all. All. So like I don't have comments on my blog. I don't choose to be vulnerable in reaction to something else that will likely draw fire but will totally drive so much traffic. Um, that's not who I am or what I do. I am vulnerable in my own time for my own reasons and I'm 
rarely tied to like, well, Donald Trump talked about this, so I should probably talk about this to get more traffic to get my, um, I'm not into strategic vulnerability at all. It's just me listening to my own rhythms and what is it that I have to say today? And then I show up and say it and there isn't a whole lot of strategy about it. Someone asked how I started painting, and the answer was just paying attention to a nudge. Uh, so when a class, a course, a workshop, or an event, I describe it as being a little bit sparkly. Um, I read the sales page and I'm like, oh, I have to do that, I have to do that. Even if it makes no logical sense, I do it. So there was a class uh, by Pixie Campbell, who is now Pixie Lighthorse, and it was about painting intuitively, and I was all like, yes, let's fucking sign me up. And I found it to be lovely and wonderful and a way to turn my brain off and to turn on my intuition and playing with color and texture and uh, physicality. Because writing, as much as if you write, even if you write with a pen and paper, it's um, the act of like getting your hands dirty and manipulating earthly things isn't really there. And that's what painting gives me that's really, really lovely and that I really adore. I am most proud of... Um, listening to my, the inner voices, even when it's hard or challenging, or it leaves me just kind of wrecked on the shores of somewhere new and completely uninteresting to me. <laughs> of listening anyway and trusting anyway and getting more alive anyway. Um, so I'm most proud of remaining open in a world that's really, really, really fucking trying hard to close me. I am least proud of um, slipping into the habit of easing off the gas when I hit the enough financial point instead of ramping up, maybe saving some more to make the coming months easier. So my earning pattern is to make whatever I deem enough and then um, that's enough. So uh, my challenge is to work on all the adult stuff like retirement accounts and a year's worth of rainy day savings and more charity giving and just general all around financial responsibility is my next realm of like, yeah, that's, that's important. Even if I don't want it to be, and I would rather just spend every penny that I have on travel, there's going to have to be some room for all of that adulting and the adultopus to come in. So there's that. I am consistently proud of which is a whole different question. Most proud of, least proud of, consistently proud of, uh, making room for sacred space. And I don't mean that like going to church, even though I'm totally talking about it during Christmas week, you're likely to be in that zone. When I say sacred space, I mean the ability to make room, to push things off your plate, to say no enough, to tune into yourself and listen. So I mean... Um, maybe it's a couple of minutes of meditation or taking a walk without my phone. I make time for reading. I make time for um, baths. I make time for sex. I make time for looking at the stars. I make time for just wandering. W-A-N-D-E-R-I-N-G, wandering. Um, and that has helped me more than all of the books and podcasts and advice and classes in the world to be able to just like, okay, pause. And I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna do me for lack of a better term. Um, to find a way for you personally, your preferred way 
to touch sacred space and then to do it consistently. That has been so, so important to me. So I have really big boundaries around my time simply because in the time that it looks like I'm not doing anything interesting, I'm actually getting back in touch with like the still small voice inside of me that is so easily quieted or silenced or shushed or ignored. So this morning, I really wanted to get to the podcast that was priority number one, that was on my calendar, ready to go. And the voice was all like, no, it's time to paint. And so I went into the room and I put on my music and I lit my candle and I did my jam and I painted. And now I come to you um, having just touched sacred space to talk about touching sacred space. I would say that it is more important to touch sacred space in your way, whatever the fuck that is. I don't care if it's, it can be riding a motorcycle. I don't, I don't care what it is, whatever it is. It's like, I feel like I'm most in touch with myself and whatever it is I deem important in the world. It's more important to touch sacred space than to cram another strategy, how to formula success recipe or fixer upper for your marketing into your brain. That at the end of your life, you're going to be much more thrilled about every night you spent soaking in your hot tub and chatting with your friends or your lovers than you're going to be about having read another business book. I guarantee it. So now that I have been deeply fucking personal, <laughs> uh, I would love your reactions. So brandcamponline at gmail.com via email. And uh, I dare you. And the next week, as we go through this big, giant holiday bonanza, to find time, to find a way to touch sacred space and let me know how it goes. Because it's always magnificent. It's always like, oh, really? That's what you needed to say? Little tiny voice inside me? That's interesting. Um, to go and find that and really tune in and see what happens. And I cannot wait to hear about it. Thank you so much for listening. I'll see you next week. Thank you for listening. One more time, The Antidote is a series of monthly gatherings to help you come back to your body, your being, and your breath when it's most likely that you'll self-abandon. The Antidote is the antidote to trying to do everything all alone, all by yourself, while you grow more stressed and you're generally freaking out and telling everyone you're fine while quietly or not so quietly, scream sobbing in a private place between tasks. Let's not do that. Let's try something different. This is a really simple format, one gathering a month on the first Tuesday of the month until the 2024 election. So we're practicing the skills that we will need in November now and we're getting really comfortable with body, breath, and being now. And that's available to you at jointheantidote.com. There's a free recording. You can sign up. You can get more details. Enjoy, enjoy, enjoy.